Hey guys, Dylan here. Before the podcast, just wanted to express all of our support for the Black Lives Matter movement and say on behalf of everyone here at Overly Animated that Black Lives Matter. Um, I want to direct you guys to blacklivesmatter.card.co with two R's and card uh, for ways you can help um, and see the podcast description uh, for more links uh, that we think are important for everyone to check out. Um, we talk a little bit about related topics later in this Kipo podcast, but mostly just about Kipo the show. So here's the podcast. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, which we'll be getting into right now. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Delaney Stovall. Hey, y'all. Michelle Ander. Hello. And Alex Bonilla. Hey. Yes, Kipo is back after only a few months, and we're talking Kipo at the Age of Wonder Bee Season 2, which dropped on Netflix yesterday. Ten episodes, it's all out. Um, We previously podcasted on Kipo Season 1. Check that out. We also have an interview with the creators, so check out all that out on our Kipo feed. Um, search for Overly Animated uh, Kipo. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash Overly Animated and overlyanimated.com for all of our other links. Um, very excited to be getting into Kipo here. Uh, we are. Go- I think we're going to go full into spoilers here because not sure who's trying to get the lowdown on Kipo from listening to the Season 2 pod, but maybe people are. So <laughs> if you're wondering, I would say just go watch Kipo. It's great. Uh, we I, we won't spoil our thoughts on this season, but we all really like Season 1. So go check out Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts on Netflix, Seasons 1 and 2, 20 episodes. Then come back and listen. Full spoiler warning starting now for all of Kipo Season 2. So we have just been to the show yesterday or today. Uh, Delaney, uh, overall thoughts on Kipo season two and what were your reactions to it? I have a lot of feelings. Like I'm like really emotional about Kipo right now. Like I just, I just, I wanted to, I didn't cry, but I was really close to crying at like several points. Like this show is just so beautiful and it's telling such important stories and Kipo is such a precious being and I want to protect her from everything. And, oh, my God, I just, like, this show is doing things that I wasn't anticipating it doing. And I didn't, I thought this was going to be the last season, so I was really, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, there's going to be a season three. <laughs> so, like, I didn't know <laughs> that, because I, I completely came into the season expecting it to be the last season. And so I was really kind of, like, wasn't really prepared for, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm really happy with it. And I think this this show just has really solid episodes. And then... Keep, I think Kipo, Kipo's relationship to Scarlamane, um, slash Hugo was I, really meaningful and impactful. Like, I just think Kipo's attitude towards, like, Kipo loves everybody. And, you know, some people only love mutes, some people only love humans, but Kipo loves everyone, regardless if they're a human or a mute. And that's a really meaningful message. And, like everything she does, like I'm, you know, there was that one line that everyone's been like sharing on Twitter where they're at, they're, where they're at brunch, and she's like, "I don't care that they don't care because I care," and I just, <laughs> I love her so much. And I think Kipo's even doing something that Steven Universe may not necessarily failed to do, but like didn't go quite there because Steven had humanoid people, like they crystal gems aren't human, but they're not 
animals either. But here, we're watching the series where Kibo believes in the sanct- in, in like in the sanctity of all life, and I I think that's really great. So I'm really I'm really I'm just really enjoying it, and Kipo is just my child. Oh yeah, so keep yeah Kipo, which your DreamWorks being really cagey about uh, how many seasons there are of Kipo. So we're kind of like a season two of the last season, but now it seems like there will be a season three, but they've not confirmed that. But yeah. we assume we assume so, and I, I'm, I I think season three will be the last season. But I said that about last season too. So I think they're done with production. <laughs> is what I'm basing that on. Like like I think season they're done with production. Season three could be out soon, also, which would be great. Um, okay, still, Michelle still would only be thirty. 30 episodes which is relatively short for yeah definitely, definitely. Show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know three i think did this show um so, you know half hour episodes and uh feels in some ways maybe feels like a shorter journey than a lot of shows are but i don't know uh, we can talk about but it's that. making use of every episode which you know is also very very nice i don't mind lean storytelling if it's all used for you know, useful, impactful purposes. And I feel like that's definitely what this show's been doing. So if there's only three seasons, like three seasons of good television is, you know, always going to be a good thing. Always going to be a good thing. So Michelle, yeah. uh, did you think this was a good, as good season of television, season two? Yes, I was, I was really impressed and a little surprised by some of the direction that, that this season took. And I think they really went hard um, in some aspects that totally blew me away. And I, I will admit, I did cry at the very end. When did end. you cry? Right at that? Um, okay. In episode 10, when Wolf starts to sing the song. Mm, yeah. I, 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 I cried half because it was very emotional and half because, like, it felt so right that Wolf was the one doing that. And, ah. Uh, and that Will's bond with Kipo is just such a particular bond. And I feel like even though we didn't spend a ton of time on that this season, as much as we did the first season, the moments they did have together were so good. And Will's one of my favorite characters. So I was just really happy to see like this moment of like her trying to be vulnerable for the sake of her friend and having it pay off so well. So that's when I cried. Very that's well good. deserved for tears. Um <laughs> I I think I said this in the Discord last night after I finished watching, and I I do think it's true that like one of my favorite things in the world is when like a movie or a season of something it just like really surprises you by how strong it is. Um, and the best thing that a sequel or a second season or any following season can really do is just like not only live up to that, but try to expand on all the really good elements of that first show um, in, in more fleshed out, more interesting, more compelling, like deeper ways. And I feel like that's like the thing that really impressed me the most about season two of Kipo, because I feel like there were so many things that were planted. Like I never in a million years would have assumed that, you know, even that like a lullaby song Kipo sings that what we have is you like on a level, it's like a nice song. It's like, oh, it's a thing she shares with her dad. But then it becomes so much more important once we realize who the Mayoga monkey has been the whole time. And that becomes like a link to her mom at the same time. And that like that was such a shock. And just like the fact that, you know, Scarlamine isn't 
the biggest bad anymore. There's something way more dangerous and threatening than him out there that also feels a lot more realistic in some ways, which is maybe where part of the fear really comes from in this newer villain. And I mean, the fact that like, there's so many shades of gray with just like, even like Leo and the Scarlet main situation and Kipo's like doing her best to navigate this, but there, there are no easy right or wrong act like answers about how people acted in the moment of desperation, you know, like all that stuff is so, so good. And I feel like it's, it's really nice. And even though like, I do think we, we didn't like, you know, we didn't travel a ton this, like we, we met some new characters, but not nearly as much as the first season. I feel like that was all in service to really jumping headfirst into some more of the story progression of the show, which feels like a natural thing for a second season to do. Like you spend the first season laying out all these foundations, but then you actively go back to old characters in the second season. You add a couple new ones, but when you are reintroduced to characters, you immediately like, it's so great to see like where Jamak's coming from now and like Mulholland, like, oh my God, who would have imagined he'd come back and be so useful? Like all that stuff is just so well integrated into the second season and all those things were built up really nicely. Um, and so I'm just super impressed with everything they managed to do in these 10 episodes. And it makes me extremely excited about season three because it, yeah, it's hard to do something really well once. It's even harder to do something better the second time. But I feel like I have a lot of trust and faith in this team at this point that they're really going to stick the landing moving forward. And I'm just really impressed, like, all around with all awesome. the stuff they did season two. Awesome. Hit on a lot of things I think we're going to get into. And a lot of reasons why season was impressive. So that's really good. Alex, are you also impressed by season two? Um, well, I, I'd emphasize that it was a fun ride. It was, a, it's still a, a solid show. I, I will say that personally, I was not as blown away by this season as I was by season one. Like I, I, I remember like raving about like the, 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 the first season, whereas like this season, like it's still, it's still good. Like, uh, especially the stuff like uh, that Michelle hit with uh, with the relationship between uh, Kipo and Wolf was still very solid. Um, the the twist with, with the mom was was very well done. On the other hand, I I feel like there's there's a lot of like nits that I ended up feeling like I needed to pick. Like like why is the world get feeling smaller? Like we're not seeing as many new characters, and I like that about the first season that we were all over the place and. And now we're reusing characters. Some reused very well, but like others, like I would disagree with him being excited about Jamak because I wanted so much more from him. Um, He's a fan uh, favorite. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, like the the shift in in villain um, Scarlamane is great. I loved him in the first season, and I think that seeing the the other side of him is done well here. Uh, I'm a little hesitant about switching over to Dr. Amelia for reasons we'll we'll get into, but like uh, that that part of the of the story in the second half of the season did not really uh, take uh, blow me away there, and uh, like 
Uh, and also, like, a, a couple of characters like ben- Benson, and, uh, like, he doesn't get... I don't feel like he gets as much to do in here. So, like, and, and just stuff that felt a little bit more predictable than, than usual, like the whole an- anchor thing. Like, you can see that <laughs> coming from a mile away, that it's just, you know, friends and family of now. But, um... Yeah, so like it, it it was a it was a fun fun ride, but like when I compare it to like how excited I was after watching season one, after season two, I'm I'm left with a bit more of like, huh, like I, that was okay. Well, like I guess because season one had set expectations so high, so may, maybe that's part that's part of this that I'm not as as excited about it. But there are positives that, as I'll probably jump in as we talk about the different parts of it. But uh, um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm. I'm interested to see where this where this goes, but I, I was a bit um, uh, com- not confused, but like I, I'm just a bit hesitant about the direction that it's going in. Okay, um, and fair, I guess, and we can see, we can talk about and speculate with Dr. Amelia. I think I think you've touched on a lot of what I've seen as like the people who are questioning whether everyone will like it as much or whether them that they themselves maybe didn't like it as much as that's it's not as much of like this travel show meeting all these mutes yeah. as season one was so i think if you prefer that I, I could totally see that um personally season two i found uh very impressive um i was really blown away by the narrative this season i mm-hmm. think loved kipo season one i think it was like really really special i mean listen to our first podcast for how, ex- how excited we were about this and then season two um, the biggest thing I was looking for was, I think, I think I didn't as much like the, we're just going around meeting, meeting different mutes. So I was like excited to delve into deeper storytelling and this is like totally what the season was. So I, it was Same. exactly what I feel like we needed from Kipo, at least from my perspective. And, um, just get some of the best, uh, animated storytelling we've seen in the past few years this season has, I feel like, um, the, the Scarlet Main backstory stuff, all the flashbacks that are carefully woven throughout the season. Um, I think really incredible stuff. Um, I think it epi- culminates in episode eight, uh, which is kind of the Scarlet Main origins episode. I think that's a really special episode was looking for a kind of tent pole Kipo episode two. And I feel like we got that this season with that episode. Um, there's th- uh, certain things I like, I re- I did react to the season different than season one. Season one, I'm like, Oh my God, the animation and the use of music and the like fluidity. <laughs> yes. I yeah. didn't really, did, I really didn't react that way to this season. So I think I was like, I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm used to it. So I feel like it's like, we were really excited and now like we hadn't seen anything like Kipo in a while and here it is and it's incredible. And now it's like, okay, it's season two of Kipo. Um, so I don't, I, I do feel like they're, I'm not sure what the standouts, like crazy animation scenes are. We can talk about that. I have a few candidates, I guess, but, um, like, but like see, the, that scene in season one where they're like flying through the skyscrapers exactly, and stuff. Yeah. Like there, there's nothing that like comes to that. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, so I was hugely impressed by the storytelling less as impressed this season with the art and the music and not that it wasn't as good i just reacted that way you know um so i I, it possibly i personally it's possible i personally prefer season one just the excitement i had to it i think like maybe i personally but i think this is probably a better season overall like the way it's constructed i think the writing is so much better that i think it kind of has to be better um so i agree that some characters makes me think yeah. Maybe maybe part of that is just like depending on expectations too. Like when we were all going into season one, we didn't expect like music to be such a big, unique part of that show. We didn't expect the animation to be so amazing and to sync so well with the music. So like it was easy to be super impressed and blown away by that. But going into season two, we already kind of expect that. 
So yeah. it's easier to get blown away by the story and the narrative now because that wasn't the thing we paid attention to the most the first time around. Yeah, I can't I can't really separate expectations versus the yeah, kind of an objective analysis at this point. I'm well, really I do not think sure. there is a like these seasons are extremely different. And I, you know, I noticed like the music is much less like overstated this season, which I think is on purpose because of the plot. And we have, and especially like, I mean, it's not that the music isn't incredible, yeah. it is. And like, every time you hear the bass drop when an episode starts, you're like, oh, what's happening? So like, you know, they're still <laughs> building that expectation and like the music behind um, when Kipo transforms, goes Mega Jaguar for the first time and she's chasing after her mom. And then also, y'all were talking about big animation moments. For me, it was when the Chevra sisters had their prophecy like i think the music behind them and like their eyes glowing and like i know they're really creepy goats but like (laughs) i thought that was a really stunning visual and they did it twice so i really like i thought like i think there's there are nuggets of like really standout moments but i do think overall this is like you know it's kind of we're dealing season one's flashy but season two is just so well constructed and, like, it's, like, all the pieces are coming together. It's hard to be blown away by animation when, like, you were kind of blown away the first time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good point. Maybe season one is flashier. Also, it's Studio Mirror. It's gorgeous. We all know Still, this. Yeah, it's always yeah. gorgeous. We get it. We get I, it, Studio Mirror. You make stuff really pretty. Yeah, and oh, I feel like we, utilize, we utilize Studio Mirror really well um, like, towards the end of the season. Go ahead, Michelle. I do agree that I do think they're intentionally trying to make the music support the narrative and maybe the visuals more and and not a way that necessarily subdues it a lot, but enough that like the music itself isn't necessarily what stands out. It's like what it means to, you know, the visuals and like the narrative going on. Cause I'll just say like Scarlamine slash Hugo's like mournful piano ballad in episode eight. Like that is like not a bombastic song, but you just like, you really get his struggle being in that room and being stuck, being bored while being so intelligent and wanting more from life and feeling so helpless to change anything going on. And like, I feel like that was such a very well used musical. Not like it's very different from all the like musical numbers we got in the first season, but I feel like he was so well placed and it did such a good job exemplifying his characterization at the time. And like, it really stood out to me for that reason. So strong agree. I think like they're just choosing their moments and they they're pushing more for story stuff. So having music stand out isn't necessarily as much a priority right now, but it's always going to be good. It's still going to be like the same level of quality as we come to expect from the first season, I'd say. And season one was, we talked about it's exploratory. It's the travel mm-hmm. log. They go to every, they go everywhere. And there's a lot more, like one of my first thoughts is the opening sequence with Benson. Like we, there's a lot, there are a lot more sequences in season one where there is no dialogue. There is like, it's just music and the animation and it's gorgeous. There's not a lot of that in this season, which because it's so much more, so much more story driven. So I think that's part of it too. Like there are a lot of moments where you actually get to like, they make you sit and take it all in, which I think is another mm. reason why there's a lot more amazement in season one versus season two, because season one, they're literally making you stop and watch it and listen to the music season two. We don't have as many thoughtful moments. You know, there's a lot of scenes in season one, like the bill where they're sitting on the billboard when they're like, we'll just be in the city 
And there's just not as much of that in season two because there's so much they have to do. Yeah. Like, so I, I think that's urgent. It's kind of like, I mean, it's not similar narratively because like they're not, these are not the same shows at all, but it's similar in how Gravity Falls changed. From, from it does, it does feel a lot Gravity Falls season one versus season two. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Carson. Uh, Alex, were you, did you have something to say? Oh, I was going to like Delaney mentioned the Chevre sisters. I think that's one part that feels very season one in terms of like these like weird new characters are like throwing throwing a wrench into the into the into the the story, and they're animated pretty interestingly, and they have like weird music going on. So like that that felt mm-hmm. very in line with like what I am used to from Kipo. Whereas like going forward, like it feels a bit like it, it feels a bit more muted compared to the, to the to the, how how loud they go in the Chevre episode. Yeah, I think the bats in episode seven may be similar to that. And then I think the episode seven is this intro with Benson and the flashback with the bats. Maybe that's supposed to be the episode two season one kind of Benson intro, which we yeah. like that scene's so incredible. Yeah. But it's not it's really not as good. So I I, I, I I get I guess maybe where some of the adult excitement is coming from. And I I feel that to a certain way, but I also don't want to downplay my excitement, so I'll say a few things. One is uh uh whenever I say I say on this podcast a lot, more complex serialized narrative is what I'm looking for from shows. Uh yes. this is Kipo season two. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So this this is this season did it. Uh like uh how could I be every time Dylan all? mentions this, we are citing this specific you can now podcast. reference the way Kipo <laughs> transitioned from seasons one to two as what I'm looking for. And then second thing, I think this is the best TV season of the year so far. So I don't Honestly, want to say that. This is season two of Kipo. Like, yeah, we're, we're, we, yeah I'm just comparing individual season seasons. Well. No, I think I think it's this or Shira last season are for me. Like, I think it's they're right right up there together. That that good. Um, and you know, I think Kipo combined seasons one and two together. Maybe even season three. Like, very much a front runner for a show <laughs> of the year. At the end of um, so. I don't know. I think it's interesting uh, discussion so far about kind of some of the strengths and comparisons to season one of Kipo. But let's dive into some of the things season two is focused on. Um, I think this season becomes about Scarlet Man, I feel like. I feel like that's the leading topic. Um, Scarlet Man's backstory, like we culminate him as a villain. I don't know what we're expecting to uh, take down Scarlet Man this season. Um, And were we expecting to sympathize so much with him? Um, I think all that is... uh, built up pretty pretty incredibly throughout the season um michelle were you uh what how do you feel about scarlamine coming in and what what was those emotions like as you watched season two i was very afraid of scarlamine <laughs> coming in i didn't have a lot of expectations because to me he was just so unhinged and that's like one of the most dangerous kind of characters you know the ones where you can't really guess what they're gonna do because they're a little bit crazy <laughs> Like, in their own hype, you know? Um, I mean, we did have that bit about Leo recognizing him and calling him Hugo, which implied, like, a backstory. But, like, I didn't know they were going to go so hard into it. I I am so... I am so impressed with what they've done with Scarlamine. Because, like, that episode... I think it was episode eight, right? That's just, like, pretty much full flashback of him. Like... We, we, it's literally we, called sympathy for the man. They know that, what they that, were doing. They got the sympathy, and it, I like that. Even before that, we'd had flashbacks from Kipa reading the journal log where they her parents mention his name. So it's like not a total surprise when he finally reveals his backstory. We've kind of been expecting it by that point, and. It's just, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. I find it very heartbreaking. He becomes a very sentient, like, 
very intelligent being and he can't he doesn't have a lot of control over his situation he the fact that he brings up that he was a child when all this happened was something that really like shocked me because it really forced you to think about his humanity you know like really like he was maybe younger than Kipo, maybe Kipo's age. Like, really still a kid when he had to figure out everything on his own and just learn to survive. And based on the fact that he'd been trapped, like, in this, like, creepy experiment bunker for his whole life up till then, I'm not surprised that he did eventually resort to using his pheromones to control people because he's only known two-ish good people in his life and then he thought that they abandoned him. So, I mean, like, that's just not a great place to be making the rest of your life decisions. Like I said before, like, I loved his song. I thought it was so well-placed. It really explained a lot of, like, his struggles with having this new intelligence and not being able to do anything with it and not having the kind of life he wants to live. But I also love the fact that while we get all this sympathy and Kipo, she even kind of calls her dad out about it. She, like, sides with Scarlamine to an extent. Like, she still loves her dad. That's never, like, in question. But she's kind of like, Dad, like, how how could you leave him? That That is objectively terrible and i'm gonna hug him because i feel so sorry that that happened to him even though it's not my fault um but then again the fact that scarlamane like as he starts opening up to kipo it would have been so crazy for him to turn so quick and i think the show really knows that and so the fact that like in his his own scarlamane twisted way he's like oh yeah i will give everyone a choice but really, it's not a choice because it, it makes it a life or death choice. So there's really only one solution if you want to stay alive. And, like, he's trying to, like, explain that to Kipo. He's like, oh, yeah, they can say they want to leave and I'll melt them into gold. Or they can just be my subjects. It's a great choice. And Kipo's like, no. And you can see, like, he kind of doesn't get that's not even a good choice. Like, I think, like, he genuinely still has a lot of work to do before he can be the kind of reformed that Kipo is like hoping he can be. So I love where we left him in the season. I love that like he he was shook that you know Kipo really believes in him. He was shook that they mm-hmm. didn't leave him for dead even though he literally did like kind of try to kill them all or at least allowed it to happen when they were trapped in the Coliseum. Like he's in a, a jail. The Timbercats are going to look after him. Like he has. Well, Michelle, are you saying Scarlamane Demption season three? Is that what you're saying? Oh, well, That's I mean, a, yes. I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a significant possibility. Jamak was the starter pack on Redemption, and I think Scarlamane <laughs> starter pack. Do Yeah, I think Scarlamane. That's he, honestly true, though. Scarlamane has done a lot worse things than Jamak, so it's going to take longer, and he's going to have to face more consequences that are equal to the amount of wrong he has done others but i think like you can see the gears turning in his brain even in that last moment when he sees kipo through like the bars of the cage and he's like you you risk being like a giant jaguar forever to save every all these mutes and that's crazy to me and i'm gonna think about that so i love it i love that he they gave him so much sympathy but they also like are certainly holding him accountable to the path his life has taken him up to this point while still leaving that chance of further redemption in the air for the next season i feel like that's a difficult balance to walk and we've talked about other shows that maybe didn't handle that as good or as believably but i feel like this was wonderful with Scarlamine. I did not see it coming, 
But I mean, that's my favorite episode. The flashback episode, it was so strong and it was so shocking to get it. And I think it was really well done. So I was, I, I mean, Skylar still scares me, but I, I think their treatment of him in the show, like, is a hundred percent amazing so far. I can't believe you relegated your fave Jamak to starter pack for the oh, redemption. He's just he's I mean, only he step is, one. He is starter pack. He's not all the way there either, but he's mostly there. We'll talk about Jamak uh, <laughs> <laughs> later on because he's not that important to the season. I know, sadly. It's very mm-hmm. sadly. Delaney, what are your Scarlet Mane kind of reactions? Where'd you come in on him and where do you end up? So, you know, he's the big bad when you come in to season two. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, it's Scarlet Mane. Like, He's the weird, like, he he wants to be king, and he's very Louis the Fourteenth. And then we get his backstory where he loves the book about, like, these kings and, like, this royal court, and he's fascinated with the idea of it. I think, I mean, sympathy for the mandrill. And, I mean, there were moments sprinkled throughout this the season. And, like, you find, I mean, like Michelle said, there was a drop, you know, in season one where you're like, Hugo, who's, like, What's going on? And so yeah. it was, It's. I think it was supremely satisfying. Like we got the backstory I wanted, like that I was like, I, you know, not, not just like the, Oh, it's a good backstory, but like the depth of it. And that's really what we, and like my favorite, favorite, favorite thing about season two is keep on Scarlet Man's relationship. And like when Scarlet Man calls her like his little sister, mm-hmm. like, I think like, I think that's great. Like it goes along with like the, like with the, the whole narrative of like, mutes and humans are equal and so it's really and like in Kipo's like yeah we're we're siblings so like it's really and I know Scarlet Lane has his little messed up like twisted like view of it but like he does he does seem like legitimately to care about Kipo and and it's really I think it was it's been a really interesting journey and I wasn't I mean, Kipo is so pure and great and it's hard not to imagine like to in from the beginning to imagine a redemption for Scarlet Mane, but then to see it happen so naturally and for Kipo, like, and also it helps that like this tragic backstory, but like Kipo is like, you need a hug. Like, I'm sorry that this happened. She makes him a present. Yeah, the hug. And then, well, and then my favorite part is when they write, when she, they're, he, well, he's trying to figure out what song he wants to play when he enters and she helps him. Like, that's so cute. And like the fact that they're both just giant nerds, like it's great. Yeah, them playing piano together too. It's so sweet. And, the and like board games. And the board game is so funny. Like <laughs> I will be corn dog king. Yeah, no, that was like I really enjoyed that a lot. Like I think it just like part of like the central part of Scarlet Man's redemption is Kipo, and Kipo's just such a wonderful, pure character that it's hard not to be like, I love this so much. But then also like you want Scarlet Mane to be redeemed. Like it, you you feel so bad for him. Like because that's we talk, you know, season one, Scarlet Mane is very much your, like, surface level villain. Like, you get what he's going for, you understand, and he's kind of, and you're, and you also, you don't blame him at, like, you, like, obviously, he's not doing good things, but you're like, yeah, humans suck. <laughs> like, yeah, like, for real. That base level of understanding that, like, yeah, humans <laughs> suck. But then, but then now you're like, man, humans really sucked in particular to Hugo. Like, we get it, man. Like. Totally understand, like, and also, like, I think the other scene that really cinched it 
was one, it was horrible. Like Leo had promised him and that whole sequence where, you know, he's not coming. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to cry. And then when they run into each other and he's like, Oh, you made sure to get your kid, but not me, your first kid. Like it's really, so I think, Oh, and especially the reaction, like that's my blanket. It's really tough. And it's really, and it's really easy to see like what's happened to Scarlamagne and like all the things that he's been through. So I think it was, um, I just really enjoyed it a lot. And I, I definitely, he's getting redeemed in season three, totally. Like, and you know, when he was so stunned that they had rescued him and then the fact that Kipo made, she, she was willing to make that ultimate sacrifice. So I think it's just great. Like it's That's great. Good, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the stuff about Kipo and Scarlet They're I adorable. So incredible. It's at the so end of the good. And, and yeah. he even considers Leo his dad still, which like, despite everything that's happened is still like a very interesting insight into the Scarlet Man, like still considers that as family as much as he's mad at his dad right now. He still thinks that's his dad. Like that means a lot. Yeah. That's and he immediately calls the mega monkey song when he finds out. Mm-hmm. Interesting psyche that we get into, I think, at that. Yeah, season. definitely. His perspective, Delaney talked about it a little. Alex, what, what did you think of Scarlet Man throughout the season? Um, yeah, Michelle and Delaney mostly covered every single part of his, his journey here. Uh, I'll say I love season one, Scarlet Man, Crazy King villain. That's that's my my jam with these <laughs> these shows. And I think that season two ca- carries it well and, and, show, and at the same time allows you to sympathize for how he got there. Um, it, it it does hammer in the the cruelty of the humans. It's, but that 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 montage where they're making him run the treadmill is is pretty mm-hmm. sad. And like seeing him like beg as he puts his hand on the on the glass walls, you know. So that, that those those details help. And I also love uh, Kipo, the tra- uh, you know, appealing to his interests. Like, you know, she, she's choosing that board game for a reason, you know, <laughs> because uh, that 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 appeals to what Scarlet Man likes in, in an effort to to bond with him, you know. So, like, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's reinforcing Kipo's whole philosophy of dealing with everyone who who causes problems. It's like, well, maybe we just need to like spend time with them to get them to empathize with other people, you know. And so, like, seeing that happen slowly with Scarlet Man is, is is done pretty well. And so, when you get to that that ending where he, he's like uh, voicing his his surprise that Kipo would would do that, you know, like it, it said. It's setting up for a logical place for season three, where the Scarlet Man like comes comes around. I will say that like immediately after Scarlet Man says that, Leo is like, "Well, you know, it, it, it hurts yeah. to know that you yeah. are right." You know, so it's like Leo's giving up right after we see Scarlet Man. kind of agrees with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a very weird cut, but um, uh, yeah. So Scarlet Scarlet Man is still good. I, I'd say he's one of my favorite characters of, of this season, and uh, yeah. So so solid so, so, so work for 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 Hugo. <laughs> Yeah, is he going to go by Hugo or Scarlet Man in season three if he's redeemed? I think that's the question. I think he should stay with Scarlet Man. He's uh, built this identity, but he doesn't have to have the name, you know. St- uh, yeah, he d- reclaimed uh, yeah, who he, he is. Yeah, I think so. He was he chose this for himself. A third name, a new name. Yeah, I think Ooh, a new, new name. name that isn't just because he's angry. Scargo. Scars on his face. Just just Scar. Just Scargo. Just be the Lion King villain. Um, 
the uh, oh the, the in terms of the ending of the yeah it's it's interesting the last two minutes of the season but uh, they also just you know witnessed him trying to kill everyone I think that's kind of what that's in response. that's why he's still yeah. in a jail I mean yeah. that's why <laughs> that's why they're person and Kipo Kipo like is like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna get through to him and like she doesn't and so she's pretty discouraged she gives, by that yeah she she says to her dad like I'm sorry you were right like she's yeah. she's willing to think that maybe he can't change for the better i think he still is but like kipo's accepting that maybe you can't change everyone's mind scar for me and scarlamine i did not care about scarlamine coming into the season i think if you listen to season one podcast like i like the aesthetic and stuff but season one he's pretty standard and not like really involved with what's going on too much and then uh and there's just no depth and this season completely turns me around on him he's suddenly one of the best characters in the show and just the the amount of work they put into the this character i think is is really incredible the show like has the ability to completely turn me around on certain characters and elements and uh i think that's just really impressive scarlet on top of that list because uh he he was incredible this season i mean like Combine seasons one and two. Who's better, Scarlet Mane or Jamak? Right? Those are the they're, they're both incredible. Ooh. I don't even know how you pick. Uh, so the, the the show has really good supporting characters, I would say. And I'm excited to get into Kipo as well. But before that, I need to I need to gotta do this towards the top of the podcast because it's an amazing topic. I need to compare Scarlet Mane to another character from one of our favorite shows. Oh god. oh god! <laughs> who, who are you gonna choose? Oh, how do you not know? Like, it's, I'm I'm scared. Who is watching it? episode eight, all I could think of is, "Wow, Scarlet Mane is Catra." Yep. How did you? What? Know? Uh, I was gonna <laughs> go for Lotor. See that coming? Lotor. Um, don't, don't bring up Lotor. Don't. don't ha- I'm not in Dylan's brain. That's how. Look. Well, here's the thing. Here's I feel like there's a very obvious comparison between Scarlet Mane and Catra, which is that they both um, their trauma is based on a broken promise. That mm, a significant person to them makes oh, right. No. There's the there's oh. two mo- the, mo- like I promise that moment in episode oh. eight and again and uh, that's and Leo is kind of his adora not in the same way but uh, he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I assume, I assume not assume presumably not but it's so interesting that we get this uh, I mean there's other comparisons with with the season of Kipo and some and different shows but like this is such a clear parallel for me to to things Shira is doing. And um, these characters who you feel for them based on a, a, a broken promise. I mean, I think in, in Catra's case, like a perceived broken promise, Adora wanted her to come with her. Um, both, of, both of them have really extenuating circumstances. Leo, like, did he even have an opportunity? But he does choose Kipo and leaves. He, maybe he could have made an effort. Um, and the way that's like unraveled, this is kind of getting to the flashback subject too. But the way like this season parses information to the audience um, – is it just becomes more tragic and you start to learn motivations as they're going and it's like oh leo's you know leo's doing great he's doing and then you start to realize like oh that maybe that wasn't so good and you're seeing it through scarlet man's perspective which kipo is empathizing with um but uh i just the the, yeah the catcher comparison really interesting maybe that means she he he is redeemed in the final season that's kind of how that works i guess if we're going by the catcher and we're and we're talking about also like these characters who they are so hurt that they just want like and they, they and they also they want similar things and so i think that's also like you know these are characters who are both driven by a lack of love a lack mm-hmm. of companionship and like they feel like no one wants them and they they have similar attitudes like uh scarlamane says he's like no one ever chooses me and so i think they have very similar motivations not just because of the broken promise but because of like what they want and so they're both, I, they're both manifesting this trauma and like trying to gain as much power as they right. can. And, and, stuff, yeah. and they ultimately like, this is kind of not, I think this moment of trying to turn everyone into gold 
is very much the catcher pulling the lever in She-Ra mm. to end the universe. <laughs> so these are very it's very interesting the like the scale of these things. But I do like I do think Scarlet Moon Redemption and also like we're in this similar place. Like they Leo rescued Hugo. And so now like granted uh Scarlet Moon's yeah. not not quite in like the same situation and that like he's still a prisoner but this isn't like he hasn't redeemed himself yet like Catra like made she she did like she did what like she was doing her final act like in her mind and then it was yeah. like JK you don't get to die so it'll be interesting I think to see it, it is it's very interesting that this is like like we'll, we'll say this is like the theme of the year like what uh trauma broken promises what uh, the redemption feelings like, of abandonment yeah. abandonment yeah, yeah. Like just the desire for a love plain and simple because that did make me think like what makes dr amelia such a more concerning villain it's like yeah like she isn't driven by a need for love she's driven by well, s- straight up wanting to like take the autonomy away from animals because yeah, she you doesn't say you say that until people. season three makes us empathize with her. <laughs> no, I, don't, like, no. <laughs> I really don't think they're going to though. You, I really she's, don't the, think. she's the exact same uh, position as Scarlemagne was last season, right? Except she's both like said, like even in season one, it's like we kind of uh, like on a level like agreed with Scarlemagne, like yeah, like humans did a lot of terrible things to the planet, and it makes sense that you're mad at them right now and you want to change it. And do things a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas with Dr. Amelia, like, none of us agree with what she wants to do. That seems also, like a really bad idea. Also, like, so not only are both of these shows are about love anyway, like, duh. Like, yeah. Shiran Kipo, like, this, this is the driving forces of these shows. But, like, also with Dr. Amelia, like, how do you meet Kipo and you're like, yeah, I'm going to kill her? Like, what's wrong exactly. with you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe so it's a really person like, Kipo can't get through. How do you enslave her mother who is a giant monkey for 13 years you know? her own you ends? Know her. Yeah, you like know she her. was a co-worker. Like, Dr. Lee is way scary because she's willing to, like, just use people like that in a way that feels like a little more irredeemable, frankly. So I'm scared of her. Okay, we're talking about Dr. Amelia now, full on. So uh, <laughs> okay. I... I, I I agree that we don't agree with her perspective, but I do think there's a backbone of legitimacy to like, these mutes are dangerous and are going to kill us all. And she's trying to respond to that. So I think that there's some level of uh, understanding based on her motives that we we oh, at least yeah. uh, connect with in, in that regard. Um, she's extremely cruel. She Yeah, the, 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 the song thing. I think that's tough to get past. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, she was the one that um, had the the control necklace around uh, around them. The, the well, that moment where, like, when you, so one the, the show does this on purpose, and like my fiance was like, "You're wrong the whole time." Like, at first, well, at first we were like, "Is that you know?" Everyone's like, "Is that Kipo's mom?" And of course, like, yes. And then, but then you're like, "Oh my god!" And I mean, before they actually did the reveal, we were like, "Her mom's the monkey," and then like, and then. And then, of course, and then at that moment, the twist where, you know, suddenly the doctor becomes extremely cruel. And so I think that's kind of like, it's just so hard to, like, we get it. Like, it's dangerous for humans to live on the surface, but then it's also, but the mutes are also changing. Like, this whole, like, they don't, they just, they have these perceptions of each other. Yeah, let me. Yeah, let me... exactly. Like, when Dylan, when you were saying, like, well, yeah, like, it kind of makes sense that. 
Dr. Amelia would be afraid of the mutants because, like, they could hurt humans. But it's like anyone could hurt anyone if you make them the enemy. Like, that's not specific to the mutes, clearly. So I feel like that entire mindset's, like, the big problem with her agenda. Like, her own people could be her enemy if she doesn't play her cards right. Like, she's willing to dispose of them if they oppose her. She's already proven that, which is a much different thing than just, like, oh... This subset of people really hurt me as a child, and I'm lashing out because I don't know how to find love, which is Skylamane's whole deal. Like, it just, it it seems more, like, deeply embedded and and truly more terrifying to me. I don't think Dr. Millie is going to change her mind about how she feels, you know? I I mean, I agree with you in terms of, like, my personal perspective. I think... If our world became like the Kipo world, I would say basically every single person in power across every country would basically react to Dr. Amelia's reacting. Oh, to absolutely. Things. They absolutely. Yeah. And many of them are terrible. So, yes. Well, Chesso checks out. Yeah. Checks out. But it's a, a, a related praise I want to give to Kipo related to Dr. Amelia and her motivations. I, I think the show, the season, this follows with season two as well, the season one as well. But the show is just very logically satisfying from the audience's perspective perspective. I feel like the show brings up things which uh make sense as you're watching, which is easier said than done. A lot of shows like it's harder to tap into like the audience is going to say, "Well, this should happen if this like that Mulholland is their friend now. Okay, Mulholland's pretty overpowered. Maybe this is the way to beat Scarlet And That's what I was thinking as yeah. I was watching the season and then it happens, you know. Okay, when he showed up, I w- I literally paused because my fiance hasn't seen like season one, like all of season 1 and oh, I was no. like, and I was like stuff's about to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> but no no definitely i think that's part of what makes the show so narratively like compelling in season two i agree and here's another example um i found the fact everyone comes back it's nice yeah. That that's true. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about it as a separate talk. But I agree. They, I think they handles pretty well. Uh, at least bringing a lot of elements from season one. And but related to Doctor Amelia, the motivation of these humans to like reverse engineer the mutation in order to figure out what happens, so they could reverse it, but also just like trying to figure out what made them mutate. That's for me is extremely satisfying based on like what we know about their world. Like I feel like this the 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 writers of the show like are presented if it, presented with this kind of crazy world even scarlamine that's another thing i want to say about scarlamine scarlamine's just like a uh victorian themed crazy monkey that they like at, figure out like oh what's the backstory for him and they turn out to an incredible backstory like, i assume none of that was planned from the start and it just feels really amazing and natural and it, it's still a little ridiculous like oh he's reading a king a book on kings and he looks in the mirror and gets but they it's sell those moments even though they're the ridiculous lab, right that's it <laughs> Uh, I feel like I feel like it really sells those moments, um, and uh, and so it's like okay, here's a post-apocalyptic world where there's these uh, giant animals. Like okay, in this situation, what would the humans do? They would uh, they would try to figure out what happened and how the, and what they could do with that. So I think I think that uh, works really well. And the thing I said in season one related to like the the logical um, consistency is like. Kipo being purple has plot purpose versus just being an aesthetic choice. And it yeah. absolutely continues the season, which is a continually very satisfying that we keep being, we keep uh, uh, engaging with uh, this question of like why Kipo is the way she is. And it's such a fundamental part of where the show is going. And then even, um, they also even do it with uh, like, I, I know it's stupid. It, granted, it was a really fun episode and there are some really great moments in it too, but like the theaters, like it's so <laughs> silly, but like, it makes sense that like, Oh well, what are the other mutes doing? Like, what what is mute society doing reacting to Kipo? And there's this play, 
Yeah, that felt very, very consistent, too. And then Kipo has this reputation. All that. I feel like all that checked out. Yeah. Right. And it was also just fun. Play episodes are always great. Yeah, we got in in uh, episode uh, thirteen of the show. We got their Ember Ember Allen players episode. Amazing, magical, choice, yeah. yeah. Where's the beach uh, episode? Where is it? Uh, yeah, we'll see if we get the yeah. Uh, Doctor Amelia. Um, so uh, the way I feel like the one of the things to talk about there's the way she the season handles her and that we don't know who she is. I think until six or around there. Right. Um, like, and she's just these masked figures, and they're kind of like these. Uh, you assume they're good guys because they're opposing Scarlamane, and they're these fun um, opposing like the oppressor kind of type of type of forces, and you're kind of like on their side, and then it's like, whoa, okay, she's not good. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting how. How all that is handled. I w- I almost wish we got a little bit more info on her before the ending of the season. Like I wish they parsed it out a little bit, but it's it's certainly kind of like uh, all culminates in in a very fun way with her. Um, I, I feel like a big a big scene with her is uh, the sword fight scene um, with with Wolf. I think that's a big uh, Doctor Amelia scene. I was like, you're think- fighting a child. Smashers. She's also a young so child. Upsetting. Yeah. 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 It's not just a kid. Like one <laughs> fighting a thirteen year old isn't okay, but you were fighting like a significantly young child, and like one, she's she's beating you. Two, like <laughs> you suck. <laughs> like you looked at this kid, and you're like, you're going to be a challenge. Like, really, what's wrong with you? Like, but, I mean, that's that, that part's obvious. Uh, she's like the only warrior person there, Wolf. So that's true. Yeah. yeah, she can hold her own. She's, she's it's like, like, okay, no, here's no, Kelsey no. stepping up for the like, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> babies, this is what it felt like. Okay, like you're fighting a kid. What's wrong with you? I mean, I want to know to the rest of her. I want to know why Doctor Amelia is 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 trained in combat in addition to was was she the leader of their old bunker and why and she's I, also I think, a doctor yeah. slash scientist think, like why why is she all those things. It's interesting. So, so I think something they didn't explore as much was like it looks like they were they did live in a borough that was just scientists. That's possible. We don't really see anyone right. other than the scientists. So it is interesting if she was like not only like the leader of the scientists, but therefore the leader of the borough. I guess I guess if they're only scientists, she'd be the whole leader of the borough. I assumed this we only saw the science division of the borough, and right. so she's she's not the leader of the whole borough. She's just the leader of the science division. That's also right. possible, but we don't really know. Um, I I well, like that we don't have answers to any of these questions because I I think it wouldn't have been a very good priority because Scarlamane redemption was top of mind yeah. for this season. Well, I didn't Com- think- complicating that with too much information on a new villain introduced like halfway through, I don't think is a good idea. So I'd rather save that till season three and focus more on Scarlamane for this. You know. Well, I didn't think we were going to go back to the old borough. That was shocking. Yeah. Like, we were going to go find, like, we like everything we got with, like, with in Fungus, I wasn't ready for. Like, I was <laughs> like, oh, we're getting, like, we have the book. We got a photo. Like, we got all of this backstory. And, like, we actually found, like, her parents' old borough. So, like, I think, I think they did a really, like, good job, like, weaving everything together. And But I do think, you know... It's also, I think this series kind of, like, this show isn't meant to be watched in three seasons. Like, it doesn't really feel that way. Like, or maybe it's just... You're saying it connects more? Yeah, like, because the way it does this is, like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like it follows a, like, traditional season structure. Like, 
or maybe it's so traditional we're not used to it, like the whole ending every season on a cliffhanger. Like, but it's so weird because like everything everything flows really well, but it doesn't feel right in this like season one, season two, season three structure. Like, you know, we go we, we get to Scarlemagne, and then now like in the middle of season two, we're introduced to. They Amelia. see the villain. It's pretty fun. It's 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 kind of like Kuvira in uh, exactly. In that's exactly. Yeah. So like that's it's really interesting how this is like weaving in. But even then, I feel like Kuvira was like dropped. Like so, like it was. Such it, it was a just a, it was just a hint. Amelia is much more yeah. essential part of. Well, this Amelia season, yeah. is becoming the villain while Scarlamagne's losing. So like, I yes, think it was during the season, yeah, yeah that's yeah, really so, interesting. So it's a really interesting season structure. So like it's just like. One, it's a great story. And also, like, it's not – that's you know, in Avatar, Ozai's the big bad, and then Azula's, Azula's getting increasingly worse. But, like, they're both the villain. But here, like, we're having, like, one villain unseated while the new villain takes their yeah. place. It's so more it's really, Korai and its treatment of how the villains are. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think so. Alex not isn't crazy about Doctor Amelia, um, as he said. I I don't feel super passionately one way or the other about Doctor Amelia. It's more just exciting for. Well, I think three. she's a satisfying villain for being like, like her perspective. Well, she's satisfying like, in that she's such a bad villain, and that like, yeah, person. Like it's like when you're watching a show and they start fighting the Nazis, and you're like, yeah, fight the Nazis. Yeah, like exactly. That's how this feels. <laughs> that's how like. She is. She wants to kill Kibo. She sucks. Like that kind of like she like I mean, it's very satisfying. Like as a villain. Uh, yeah, I I, li- I generally like this type of villain. The uh woman like cutthroat like uh either scientist or like leader like uh, yeah. th- i think this is a, a becoming such a, i feel like it's a ya kind of trope villain oh yeah um, hunger games for sure did this oh yeah. she's literally the villain from uh divergent divergent no i was that's, oh, that's what i was thinking of as i said it she's the divergent villain You're yeah no, that's exactly what i was thinking of it is very I think it's YA. A, I think it's a, I think it's a good uh, archetype with the villain. I think the the general th- thing of like Scarlemagne like wants to like reclaim the world for the mutes and get rid of all the humans. She wants to get rid of all the mutes and reclaim the worlds for the humans. It's kind of the opposing side of well. It's also of, one of those of like Scarlemagne. it's like um, I mean I don't want to say Thanos because Thanos was like so deeply flawed, but like and also terrible. But like when you look at Scarlet, we were talking about it. We're like, yeah, humans suck. Like, maybe all mutes should just be in charge anyway. And so then, like, meanwhile, we're like, no, 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 humans suck. You're wrong, Dr. Amelia. Like, you're bad. Yeah. So I think I think mostly with Dr. Amelia, like, we could debate, like, uh, should the season focus more or less? Or should it I think it's more of, like, we'll see how this next season I'm not excited right. about, like, one, I hate, I hate the leader of Kipo's burrow. Like he is the worst. Like I hate him. Yeah, he was not, not in the season much. I hate him. But he like every time, really. but every time I have to see his face, it makes me mad. <laughs> and also like, we're all, we're getting gear, like, we're gearing into like, it's going to be that burrow versus Kipo. I was surprised by how quickly yeah. they turned um, to Dr. Amelia's side. But then again, I mean, they were they were snatched up and almost imprisoned with pheromone Snatch. control. So, like, I, I get why they would change so quickly, but it was still, like, discomforting to see that kind of just mob mentality thinking, more or less. I'm so glad Roberto ran away. Yeah, he was, like, the one. 
He was like, we got to go. He's like, come because on. Because he already go. met Kipo, and Kipo has, has her own powers. <laughs> okay, we can talk about Kipo. I think that's a major thing. Yeah. Very, what Alex described, very Steven universe type. Of, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Kipo is a, a similar-ish character. I know we, we could compare her to um, Aang um, and before him, Nausicaa. Yeah, I was literally, of... I've been waiting this whole podcast to be like, Kipo's Nausicaa. I mean, do- Dr. Amelia is kind of like that general lady from Nausicaa. You're not wrong. Yeah, she's not as sympathetic yet. No, so not yet. I think, <laughs> I think there's something to bring up here, though. Like, one thing that occurred to me during the flashback with the journal sequences is like, so they intentionally made their daughter to be like a mega mute with the like explicit, at least like Song had an explicit desire that she would be the answer to all of their problems and would just fix the world, essentially. One thing I really appreciated this season doubling down on is like you had characters specifically call out like Benson a couple times, say like, you know, this 13-year-old has, like, the weight of the world on her shoulders. Like, this is so much responsibility, and it's a lot of pressure. And the fact that they're talking about that shouldn't be overlooked, because just because Kipo might be in a very special position to actually make all this happen and make mutes and humans coexist as the end goal, that is an obscene amount of pressure to put on a child. And I don't think it's a fair amount of pressure. And even if that's what ends up happening, like... I'd rather they discuss that for what it is and acknowledge it because like that is so much to expect of anyone, especially one person who's not even an adult yet. So that's why I say like in terms of like the graying of learning about even her family, like I think it's a little messed up that Song would just expect so much of her unborn child, like just because she's excited about the science of it, because like those implications for Kipo are incredibly tough you know, and no one's been a, a mega mute hybrid before, you know, she didn't ask for that. It's it's a it's a very dangerous thing to do. And even though she has the anchors to like stop her from, you know, losing control of herself, there is no guarantee for that. And it's just like those layers I appreciate because there is no right or wrong, but it does make me more concerned about Kipa moving forward. Well, it's like I was that was something that I they didn't really address it this season. They did in bits and pieces. Like, they mentioned me, it at least. Well, what I mean, well, what I mean is they don't really like. There's a scene in Fungus. I can't remember if it's part one or part two, where she's like, "Why well, was a science a science experiment? That's so cool!" And like, mm-hmm. they're like, "Uh huh, yeah." And so, like, yeah. I'm hoping we get more in because, like, when you know, when Doctor Amelia goes and confronts Song, she's like, "Oh my god, did you do this to your kid?" And so, like, granted, Doctor Amelia sucks. But she made some good <laughs> but points. But she's not wrong, yeah. But she's not wrong. Because, like, obviously Kipo's great, and she's happy, and she thinks it's really cool she can turn into a jaguar. But it's, like, deeply messed up what her parents did. And yeah. so it's one of those things that, like, I'm curious if we're really going to address it. Because, like, this isn't just, like, it's not like, like, Kipo, one, has chosen to be the hero. Like, she has come into her own, and she has done, like, she did things before she knew she was the purple jaguar. Like, she... You know, she was talking like she was already doing Kipo things because she's Kipo. But like, there's still that like that's this is super messed up that you like because it's not just this whole like you have a destiny. It's not like like she was literally created yeah, to she do was this made for this reason. Like she was is, literally yeah. like she's like it's messed up, and so like it's in tr- like I'm curious. I'm hoping we get more because 
like you said, we've gotten into more gray areas like Leo, like they've already thrown Leo under the bus for like stuff and stuff. <laughs> so I'm curious if they're going to do more in season three, like maybe with song. What, well, not yeah, not just song though. I think maybe also this exploration with because we understand song and Leo's perspective, like they love mutes and they obviously love Kipo and they love Hugo and like they have good intentions, but what they did is deeply messed up. And so it's curious. I'm curious to see like maybe as we get more into like Dr. Amelia, if we're going to like explore more of like, like, well, what Dr. Amelia thinks and does is wrong, but also what happened to Kipo is not okay either. And so also kind of like dealing with that because like, it's super messed up. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it reminds me of Steven more than anything because Rose created Steven to be a hybrid too, maybe with the uh, the purpose of him taking the reins from her and, and like fixing all her message, which is a separate thing. But it's like this idea of like, oh, my, my children can like make the world better. And that's just insane amount of expectation. Like it's true that Kipo did like, she was more or less the hero before she found out she was a mute, but like, Regardless of that, the expectation for one person to take the weight of the world on their shoulders, even if they gladly accept it, is not, like, great. And I hope they talk about that. Because, like, outside of Steven and Cora and, like, Aang, honestly, I can't think of a lot of other shows that really... Like, we love seeing hero journeys and seeing, like, heroes come into their own and take on that responsibility. But we much less do we see them, like, really grapple with, like, the amount of pressure and and craziness of those expectations well, at are least in Avatar and Korra, like it's not a single person being like you're in charge. Like it's at least mm-hmm. this, it's like this innate like spirit thing where like you are the Avatar. You were born. So you just have you to. You are the Avatar. It's your duty. Yeah. And like you know, we're not going to talk about Korra because I'm gonna get really mad about it. But yeah, like at least thing. at one time. There were the past lives. I'm like so triggered about it right now. Anyway, yeah. like you know, there's a specific aspect of Cora, to be clear. Specific aspect of Cora. But like, you know, there's this like, you know, there's help. There is something to help them. There's the white lotus, like there's all that. But then to they literally in a lab were just like, oh, we're just gonna kind of like mess with our kid. And then like and obviously they couldn't have anticipated all the things that happened. Like, but that's the other thing too, though. Like they didn't anticipate side effects of song. But like, yeah. But you did that to your child. <laughs> like at least, yeah. Song like, had the, yeah. Like, she had a choice. She, she has a knew choice. It was an option going like, in. Oh my god. I mean, it's kind of like it is kind of like Adora too, honestly. Like, because at least Adora, like a lot of her thing was like, yeah, she she willingly wanted to be the martyr and the hero. She loved having a job and being told what to do. But it, it took like everyone else consistently telling her like, yo, rely on your friends. Like you have a community to help you. Like, you don't have to be the one who always does this. And Catra, like, more or less saved the world as much as... Like, I love that, like, it wasn't just all on Adora's shoulders at the very end. So I hope, like, we've built up, like, you know, the anchor is her friends and family. I hope that Kipo, like, comes to rely on them even more. Because a lot of times she does just, like... She's impulsive and she will just kind of take charge. And, like, they're fine for her to do that. But I... I'd like to see, like, you know, them act more as a unit, too, because, also, like... Also, all the adults in Kipo are useless. I know! They're all Every so single one useless! Of them. 
Um, I, yeah, I, I just uh, yeah, the, this this year with Steven Universe and Shira, I think tells me that people are being more aware about how to write these hero characters in terms of like trying to show the balance of the pressure that comes with it. So I would hope I, I, that'd be that'd be good if Kipo season three went along with that because I agree that season two doesn't really deal with that right now. Um, but uh, also, I'd say that. Um, Leo has raised Kipo, and we don't really get the sense that Kipo like has knows that mission until reading this book. So I'll say a small point for Leo that it doesn't seem that Kipo was raised with this in, with, right. with this in mind. That's true. So yeah, I think a lot of people in you guys focused on specific aspects of this, but um, with Kipo kind of being a science experiment and the morality of that, with regardless of the expectations placed upon her. Yeah. And for the most part, the season doesn't engage with it in terms of Kipo's perspective. She seems okay with it. And I would I would expect her to be in more of a natural place to engage with that next season where she has a Leo to actually talk to for a while. Maybe once mom comes back, talk that out with mom too. Um, but in terms of like the, it, the season not engaging with it being morally questionable, I think Leo for sure is kind of... Uh, see painted as morally gray as time goes on by this season so i think it's you kind of like see this as a uh, m- more and more as in in, in, in conjunction with seeing Scarlamane's perspective you you probably see this move from leo as not so great but song i think probably mostly unscathed so far you don't really see gray in song yet um and i think pro- i assume season three would would address that um you know maybe she would need to not be a monkey first Oh, yeah. um, also, I would just point out with the uh, with the hybrid situation, it's notable that doc that uh, the doctor uses. I, I'm pretty sure she uses the word "you've infected humanity." Yeah. So, like, we're we're all, we're also dealing with like purity stuff, and like uh, um, yeah. So, um, I, don't, I don't know how much to go with like with like criticizing the the hybridization when like that's the angle we're coming at, at, at from opponents in in this universe. Yeah, both could be. I mean, that could be wrong, and then they could be wrong to do it to the kid in the first place, too. Yeah, right. I mean, I think it's just that, like, Kipo didn't have a choice, and it's and not even just that she didn't have a choice, but, like, they assumed that her existing as a hybrid would help resolve the conflict between humans and mutants, period. And that's, like, the part that seems, like, the most egregious to me. Yeah, I don't know well, if there's and anything. We, and we can go into it, too. Like, the fact that they were experimenting... Which they found out, like, in when they experimented on Hugo, and uh, they, they discovered, like, they were like, we're terrible, what we're doing is bad. Mm-hmm. But, then it's all, but it's also unclear if what they think is bad is taking away that agency, but at the same time, like, Hugo didn't choose to get agency, and it's also, it's one of those weird, like, we're treading on weird stuff right now, like... Well, yeah, philosophical stuff. Like yeah, once you once you've given somebody agency, then like, what's the right to take it away? Right. Which, yeah, taking it away, bad. But then on top of that, also like you, ha- it was not your right in the first place to do to do all the stuff they're doing anyway. Yeah, complicated st- uh, question. Very complicated. The demuting, muting. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure to what extent the season was uh, engaging too much thematically with that yet. We could see. Um, what more? I mean, certainly, I think it posits a lot of questions uh, through this specific backstory that we're seeing, yeah. and it's an interesting type of discussion. I definitely think the mythology of Kipo has gotten like it's gotten a lot more complicated, and I think than anticipated, which isn't bad. Like, I think it's really interesting. What What are we going to do? Like this, this the plot, you know, haha, the plot thickens. Like literally, it does. Like this goes from just being a simple mute 
human like to like there's like there are also there's other moral implications of what's been happening like and the humans are no longer passive like they've done things so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the ramifications of everything and like and Kipo's part in it not just because she's a victim but also because like what Kipo's going to do to you know solve it <laughs> Um, other other aspects of Keep. I mean, this is where we started with Kipo. Uh, just in terms of her being the jaguar, we see her turn into the the mega jaguar. I was end really of, uh, sad that I wanted at least once them to do the purple jaguar song again. Like I just <laughs> did not do the <laughs> wanted it, and it didn't happen, and that's okay. Like Eyes on Fire, Heroes on Fire is great, great song, but like I just wanted purple jaguar just once, just once. Yeah, uh, it turns into the big thing, and then she turns to Super Mega Jaguar. Yeah, right? Super so Mega Jaguar. And the tails yeah. was amazing. Your the multiple tails. So... I'll just say, like, I, again, like, I know we brought this up a little bit last season, but, like, it has been so long since I've seen, like, an animated cat that was female that didn't specifically have, like, alterations to look, like, inherently feminine that, like, I was just so happy that Kibo just looked like a giant. <laughs> she was just a jaguar. Walking cat. Cute. Because that's what a dick giant mutant jaguar would look like. Like, mm. it was, it, she looks so, like, genderless in a way. I just, like, I appreciate that so much, you know? It, it honestly means a lot when you see so many, like, Lion King lions that just, like, oh, um, you know? So, I just, I had to say it because it, it just, it was so that's, good. Yeah, she just a... looked scary and ferocious and amazing, and that's all you need. That that she's keep... running in the forest. So. Uh, yeah, that's it's it's it some great uh, imagery with um give with Kipo being the jaguar. It's very satisfying. I feel like the transformations and stuff. Also, the um, in between transformations, like when just like her arms and her ears, or when she just when she just changed her nose, I like lost my mind. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. It's so good. A plus. Yeah, and I guess that relates to all the anchor stuff. We don't have time to get into a lot, but that's a big part of the season two. Alex expressed criticism of it in the finale. Oh, you can pretty... see it. You yeah, can see you it can from see like it coming. you can just see it coming. That's yeah, all. I agree. Just... It's it's kind of standard finale, but it stuff. always feels good. Yeah, and whenever it's like it's my friends and my family. That's right. Don't it feel good? Yeah. Like... Not... Plus, like being able to, I I love that they surprised us so much this season, but being able to plant seeds that a reasonable person can interpret and follow like is also good payoff. I'd say like neither of those is bad. Yeah. There's not really been a, we can talk about the mom twist, but every twist seems seeded very well. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the mom twist is like, it's so seeded. Like the fact that season one, and then when she sings to her again in this season and then, uh, and then like her bracelet, I'm just, it was really messed up. I didn't cry watching this season, but I almost cried at like three separate points. And this was one of those points where I was like, oh my God, it's her mom. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, her singing to her mom, knowing who she actually is the first time. You just get like this big close up the mom's like mouth mm. and keep a, like looking up at her. Like that was a very tender moment. I feel like this show does tender really well when it wants to. Yeah, I think I think it was a great uh, reveal, um, and it it feel it, fe- it felt very believable, and uh, yeah, all the moments between the Mega Monkey and uh, and and Kipo, and then and the, that was the Mega Monkey song attacked the burrow. That's why Kipo had escaped in the first place. We yeah, didn't get into that and stuff. Yeah. A lot of it's crazy. Uh, she was yeah. being controlled by a necklace. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, but uh, the I feel like the use of it's a very prominent mutant. It's like, oh, it's more than it's more than a mutant. It was mom, and I hope we get more into it uh, next season. For that's sure. why it's like when when she sang the song of the first season, I'm like, this is just a random nonsense that a song would work on this giant monkey. But then now knowing that it's like, oh, her mom knows that dang song, and that's why she responded to it. Like that's such a good layer building. Like I was so happy that came around this season and made like way more sense now also the yeah. scene of her like in you know the difference like where she's running and fighting in this season singing the song was really good yeah we get the reveal that uh she coordinated with mom with the with the that was so, so good okay was so smart it's just like, I love that. Like, it subverts our expectation of Kipo because we assume, oh, she's just going to go talk to Skyly and try to win his heart over. That's her whole plan. Probably won't work. It's like, oh, JK, that was like the frosting on top of the actual cake plan. That was so yeah, smart and it totally worked. Like, I, I love will that. say the canteen, like, got me. Like, that's the one part that I wasn't like, I didn't like, you know, they get the canteen and I'm like, I don't like, yeah. why do we care? And then like, so that was good. Uh, I'll also say one, one scene I did really enjoy was the intro to the last episode where Mulholland is, is talking to, to the mom oh, and, like, God, she's, like, and she's like str- struggling to speak like, because she's been, that. she's been lost for so long. I think that they, they portrayed that really, really well. Like oh, it, and yeah. then when she's like, "Tell, can you tell Kivo that mom loves her?" I was like, "I'm gonna right. cry." I'm but like they, they read, they read it in such a struggling way that like it feels yes. like yes, mm-hmm. this is how mm-hmm. someone who hasn't thought like this in like years would probably <laughs> like yeah. try to find their voice again, you know. So like I, I enjoyed how that scene was done. Also, the callback to the environment of like the the cave that's yeah. like how Kipo saw the, her past. Mm-hmm. And so like mm-hmm. that, that that all fit really well. That scene was good. I think they continue to make great use of the intros throughout the season. Um, sometimes yes. related to the episode, sometimes a little slightly unrelated. But <laughs> yes, it, I it, love that seeing how they're gonna like make it work every time. Yeah, I think in in season one, it's like a, prob mostly Seamless. unrelated from Kipo, and then this season they it blends together with the plot going on a lot more. With yeah, it it, it 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 does feel very on the nose with like, hey, pay attention. This is gonna mean something in this episode. Which like, you know, if that worked for you, good. I, I got annoyed. For, with it for for a bit uh, it's like just like the heavy usage of flashbacks like right next to a scene we're like oh you need this information to understand what's going to happen next yeah, they definitely cut, they definitely cut quickly yeah so like i i understand if you enjoy that as like part of like the stronger narrative but i i, I got a bit annoyed with that method after well a while. after watching ruby for several years i get really <laughs> okay, don't, I come really, on just, no 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 i really uh, appreciate <laughs> when like uh, I appreciate it when a show tells me something. Like, yeah, I agree. This week your standards are too low, Delaney. <laughs> no, you don't okay. understand. Okay. Like, when okay. I like, I enjoy parsing things out. I really do. But then it's also nice to, like, one. I don't think Kipo like overly tells you stuff. Like, I think they do a good job of like, yeah, you can figure stuff out. But then also, I do think they do a good job of like, you know, they throw stuff in there. It, I, it's just strong storytelling. That's all. Like, it's just yeah, nice. Like, Everything they give you, because we have so many questions, right? There's still so many things we're speculating on. Clearly, we don't have all the answers, but they they chose to give us enough information, and they showed us things in a relatively objective way, and they, they leave it to us to interpret that good or bad or gray or anywhere in between. I feel like that's the best kind of compromise. Like, 
if you choose flashbacks that are very intentional and are meant to lead you to make certain conclusions or at least give you enough to go off of to then like have more questions later, that's a really nice balance. And giving too little of that, it just it makes like anything going on not matter as much because it, it feels kind of hypothetical since we haven't seen it play out. You like, know, it's like being predictable isn't necessarily a bad thing. And like, because, yeah, you know, chosen. Yeah, and if it's, like, well-structured. And, like, yes, did I figure out that song was the monkey before they told me on the show? Yes. Was it still an incredible twist? Yes. Yeah. Also, I almost cried watching it anyway. <laughs> like, That's good. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the execution can be good. Between, and uh, like, Between, like, people, like, realizing and then you seeing Scarlet Mane, like, overpower her and then, like, her be so enraged that that's that final push for her to reach full Jaguar. Like, that's just a really good boarded payoff right there. That's what helps make the moment so good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good, and yeah, I, I think the intros are really good. I think flashbacks, I could see people reacting differently to use, but uh, I think well, it was different. We didn't have as many flashbacks in season yeah. one. Very, just, very. Just to like the burrow and her dad, I guess, yeah. in season yeah. one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, two topics related to expect audience uh, perspective on the show, and then get into some quick hits to to clue. Where there's some topics we're not gonna be able to hit a lot on, but oh um, no, we're gonna have to have four oh, more no. podcasts. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> we're doing this now. Okay. Uh, okay. First, I feel like people are reacting really positively to Kipo. Um, I'll explain this take after, but here you go. Let me give, let me give the take. Avatar, Korra, Gravity Falls, Steven Universe, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. There you go. I think Kipo is going to be considered a kind of classic cartoon alongside all these other shows. Why isn't Shira on your list? Shira, but. Well, it's, those those are shows that have had some. I guess Stephen just ended, but that have yeah, cemented like, their legacy is more. Stephen's been airing for like Bojack eight years, you know. <laughs> yeah, the kids' cartoons throw throw Bojack. I feel that way about Bojack and Rick and Morty. I don't think not. This isn't necessarily my take on uh, the best shows, but I feel like there's certain shows that are just like really beloved um, years after the fact. I, I feel like Kipo is just a lock. Like the the combination of quality. Um, the, the, uh, general, like, uh, the, the general enjoyment, like, I feel like it's, it's a very wide ranging appeal. That's what I want to say about it. Um, so I think kind of that combination, the fact that it's really good and it's really unique. Um, this, this is going to be a show that's revisited for a long time. I can, I, would, I feel like we can already tell in the middle of its run. Definitely. And I think also like it's similarities to, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is so good. And we're, I mean, and a lot of the reasons, a lot of things, I mean, they're, you know, these aren't like thematically, they're not similar, but like, there are a lot of features of Into the Spider-Verse and Kipo that I think are part of what makes them so good. And I think as Into the Spider-Verse is like, literally everyone's like, this is the best movie ever, which is true that I think this also applies to Kipo, like the, the music, the, and also there just aren't, there isn't a show like Kipo. It's also there also aren't shows like Kipo with the representation that Kipo has. Like we have all of our char- all of our main characters are characters of color. I'm not mean I don't mean Kipo's purple, but Kipo's also purple. <laughs> but like we have a we have a still I mean obviously Kipo is Song and Leo's child, but they also did like science stuff, so like who knows. At the very least Kipo is a uh black Korean uh, child, we have 
And then we have our two other black main characters. And then Leo, her dad. And then hopefully we'll get Song back. Right now she's a monkey. But like, and then also yeah. Benson's gay. Like, it's great. And then we have Benson's love interest. Troy, that's his name, right? Troy? Yeah, yeah. Troy. And we also have a lot of positive representation of all of these characters. Like, like Benson talking to Troy's dad. And Troy's dad talking to Benson. And like, it's great. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's 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 a good uh, point about Kipo's diversity, which we talked a lot about in the first podcast. And we'll get into more, um, too, in this one. Um, but I I, I, br- I brought up, like, the fact that Kipo is getting really positive reaction now. I think it's really excited. It's really um, easy to get excited. By and Kipo also Netflix. Moment. Netflix has, like, showcased Kipo. Like, unfortunately, due to recent events, but it's also great yeah. that they're showcasing Kipo in this way. Yeah, so it's it, a, a good okay. It's a good transition into what I want to talk about. So it's yeah, Netflix. It's it's on Netflix's representation matters, which I have mixed feelings about. So let's talk about that's that. that's true. Um, so uh, yeah, Kipo really diverse. Very excited to get about Kipo right now. I also think it's it's just it's weird. It's weird having Kipo um, right now. This big time of social unrest. Uh, any any kind of like fun kids cartoons generally just getting into shows right now i think it can be a, it can be a little bit of a weird feeling on the other end it's it feels fitting right that this is one of the blackest cartoons on television this and craig of the creek and they're both airing right yeah. now in terms of the character and they're both such it. positive forces yeah for 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 black black character representation um so it it does feel fitting and kipo does have all these great black characters as delaney highlighted um i think it's incredible and I think to a certain extent, there's uh, diversity on the Kipo crew. I know that in season one, there are two black directors. I think there's one this season. Um, but uh, I, I get more mixed feelings when I look at the, the crew as a whole. And this relates more to the industry in general. But um, I will ca- caveat this with I don't know sp- too many specifics about the Kipo crew. Um, I don't know who everyone is involved in. So I apologize if I get anything wrong. But... I do know the show is created by two white men, um, and I believe the show has no black writers. Uh, really, feels really bad right now. Um, in addition, yeah. the the two uh, music uh, the supervisors are white. I think for a show that um, featured many black artists, featuring a lot of hip hop in in the, in the the show. Um, so. I just I look at the crew of Kipo and while it's probably better than a lot of shows, I feel this is um, emblematic of the industry as a whole where we we get uh, shows. We're starting to get more and more of shows with with black main characters, specifically Kipo and Craig, a lot of black main characters. But both shows are created by white men Mm -hmm. and most shows in the industry don't feature a lot of black artists in their crew, black creatives in general. Um, in addition to all this, there's been a lot of talk on animation Twitter about, um, underpaying mm-hmm. black artists, underpaying everyone in general. DreamWorks, I think has taken the brunt of this criticism. Uh, Kipo is a DreamWorks show. DreamWorks a lot about how they're exploiting, uh, union loopholes surrounding, uh, surrounding streaming shows to underpay their artists around this time. And, uh, it's a... And and this, uh, I think I think just overall, there's like there's a clear need to address racism in the animation industry. I think there's a clear conversation about this. I think we're not the right people to get into this in depth. So this is like to the extent I want to get into this. But um, 
in conclusion to what I say, like, I think it's great that there are shows with multiple black leads, but we're in dire need for more black created shows and more black artists on every show in general. Like specifically Um, on the production side, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, um, I don't know, maybe my enthusiasm seems a little dulled talking about Kipo. I like, I've like, I guess a best, I think it's the best season of TV of the year, but it's also just like, so it's so (laughs) a lot of complicated feelings. Well, it's hard. Like, yeah, the show has great representation, but like to think that two white dudes made it, it's like, that doesn't make like, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It just, it doesn't feel good. Like why, why can't black creatives and black artists make what they want to make? Like, why aren't we seeing that? Like, that's that's yeah. what feels so decided, so unsatisfying. Like, and it's especially, you know, and it's, you know, one of the issues I have with Central Park is I want to watch it, but the fact that the voice actors are white is extremely upsetting. Oh, I didn't know there's, that. There's there's one character that is uh, biracial and is played by Kirsten Bell, and it's it's really bad racist casting. And I'm um, like, what that, the heck? That's another topic. Yeah, I will say Kipo features a great uh, diverse like voicing cast yes, and many yes, black incredible voice actors. So that I think that part they nailed, and this isn't like a Kipo call out post. I mean, the fact that no, 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 the fact that the writers' room has no black writers—that's real, real bad to me. Yeah, um, but this is emblematic of the whole industry, and this right. is we need mm-hmm. an industry-wide uh, awakening to and and re- like revolution to what the these these endemic problems in the industry. Um, I don't I, I don't know if this is a good transition. So speaking of the the uh, the incredible voice cast, the incredible black actors on this cast. Um, I want to highlight uh, Dave. We haven't talked at all about Dave. Dave. I feel like uh, Dion Cole as Dave is like my voice acting MVP <laughs> across every show. Like so I like good. I hate I hate the Dave type of character, and yet Dave is so Usually. funny this season. Dave is so He's, funny when he coming, is doing the around. old season man voice. And <laughs> he was good in season one too. But uh, when, when, just, when just he, the, the fact that I love this character is so crazy. And I feel like it's Dion Cole. Everything he says is hilarious in the show. Yeah, well, it's like he, in Fun Gus, Dave is amazing. Yeah, like when he's the old man, it's like that was like peak Dave for me because it's like he's like I like he she, like he has that whole like I'm an old man in my senile hallucinating thing. And that's how everyone's treating him. But like he plays it so straight and it's such a good moment. And it's like like all of his versions of age are so unique, but like the old man one really stood out in that whole sequence, and it was so <laughs> shockingly funny. you like the old man one. It was one. That's so not funny. He's like, "There's a face in that wall." Sure, there is. Dave. <laughs> yeah, you're sure, right. He's really good there. It's yeah, so I want. I, I, I feel like the funniest part, not to keep praising episode eight, which I do think is incredible. But the, the episode eight is a B plot with the the with Dave, and it's like, oh, don't ruin. It's amazing. But no, it's actually like the funniest part of the season. I feel like this B plot with the the uh, Dave swallowed the bomb and he's dramatically so step over the crack i was yeah. dying and his real is like you pause like that that whole thing yeah, i really liked um like this one this just one scene just really stuck out to me with dave when dave's like all right we're gonna go get we're gonna stop for lunch on the way back and then <laughs> she'll never know and like and then they're like yeah that was the plan dave like that was like that the delivery on dave's line was just my favorite like that scene was so funny to me because they were just like yeah other than stopping for lunch that was the plan and dave's like so you're saying i made the plan better like it's so good 
Alex, so you're saying you've been a Dave Stan all along, is what you're saying? Yeah, I I thought Dave was fun all the time, and I enjoy. And people say his stuff is his uh, action stuff is kind of disgusting because of his molting. I've always loved it. So like, <laughs> finally, uh, welcome to the bandwagon. The only thing oh. that makes me uncomfortable is when he is rips his arms off to stick them in his ears. That's the oh, only. And he's done that. He does that so many times. I'm like, it's stop great. it, Dave. That's the one <laughs> thing that upsets me. Everything else is okay, but like that is not okay. When he's molting to get away from the lava, like that whole gag, honestly, I thought was so hilarious. And it goes through like several stages, but it's so good. Yeah. And and the only reason I say I don't typically like the Dave character, it's like a it's like as a one note gag surrounding at its core, this character. And yet they, they do find really creative it's ways. So in good. The yeah, they do. Like, continue or like, my favorite is like when he's all holding them and you think they're running from something and he's like, I made it two whole blocks. <laughs> you're like, good job. You're improving. <laughs> it's so funny. And they're like, yeah, There's... you did it carrying all of this. You're doing so great. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Mandu, on the other hand, I feel like season one was better for Mandu. Um, I, like, I, Mandu is this big heroic moment in the second to last episode when yeah, he defeats Dr. Amelia. I don't know. I wasn't crazy about all that. Okay, like, when Mandu's he stabbed her leg, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, yeah, but the best. whole build up to the episode is like, hey guys, remember Mandu? We don't care yeah. about him anymore. We're setting him up for a bit. It's like yeah. another, like, like really telegraphing what they're going to do with Mandu. Well, I'm glad episode. they did it without being like, there wasn't really a moment in the middle where they were like, like we didn't have to have like this whole conversation about it. Like they just did it, which is what I appreciated. I did really Um, like that Mandu like was like kind of an awe of the adult pig mutants and wanted to be like them. So we got this drawn as fake little tusks and like the big one like looks at it and kind of rubs it like, good job. Yeah, you're trying. We see you little champ. Super cute. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I needed that, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, ju- more ju- justice for Mandu season three. Yeah, I don't know. What we should, I don't know what the right move with this character is at this point. It's hard to handle some of these uh, animal companion characters, especially because um, it doesn't talk. So like, it, it, it yeah. gets especially in this season, which is way more dialogue heavy than, than season oh, yeah, one. Yeah. It's easy to. It makes it, it makes sense. The, the the comedy animal companion would not be as uh, well handled in the big story season. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the record, when they met Mulholland again, and Mondu immediately was like, "Please, oh, please, I died at that. Yeah, please, yeah. I need the Cheetah World. Please, like, was, why did we flash back to that like to dream sequence? Because it was yeah. extremely important. That's what I was about. Like days, like any time. I was like, no, I'm about Mondu being. And then when Mondu thought the fungus was cheese, amazing. <laughs> I, I've just been that's like the song from season one I listened to the most that plays and they brought it back I love that yeah it's uh, Crumbs uh, by Jordan Dennis um, the uh, okay, okay we'll talk about the use of music I, I want to get to uh, Jamak quickly because yes! our, our favorite season one yes! yeah. one episode this season episode three one episode Michelle he coming back we we know there's a season three now he's absolutely gonna join the team because so you're not you're not upset about the lack of Jamak okay look they used him perfectly they made him super coy so you really want to see more of him because <laughs> you were not sedated keep him wanting yeah. yes yeah. I want to be kept wanting because I really like <laughs> does Jamak. this mean you want to see the theaters again because I do 
Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't, sure. But yeah, I don't they, they've become a package <laughs> deal now, Michelle. They Thanks are. They're the same he's with, he's with the honor. Yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess, like, I do want to see them then. Jimok was, like, great, though. Like, he showed genuine concern for Kipo and then, like, immediately tried to cover it up by acting like he didn't care, which is so him. Oh, that was oh, so man. good. Yeah, they were like, he's like, you brought her here? So yeah, good. they're like, oh, do you care? He's like, hey, no, I just, like, I don't want my gesture to be for nothing. That's all. It's so good. The ending with uh, Kipo's like, I thought you'd come with us, Jamak. And then he, like, has a moment. He's, and he's like, like, absolutely. Connects with Dave, who he absolutely. connected with this episode. And he's like, absolutely not. Like, oh, yeah. my God, what a great. That uh... so <laughs> also, every that was the That was why Jamak was there for yeah, that moment. Yeah, that's what Jamak like. Also, he's there to sassily button his jacket at every moment. <laughs> Like, it's so good. Like, with his cut-off tie. And he's just, Even though he was barely in it, he still, like, stole that whole episode. So, like, I... Of course we're gonna see more of him. Also, he's he's like, what do y'all have against dying? I know! That's such a good line! Like, come on, we could go right now. Why are you going back there? And and he's like, oh my god, why? It's it's just a bold move because Jamak is arguably the best character in season one. Yes, and then to put him in one episode this season that is some restraint. I would say, it, yeah, definitely some restraint because if Jamak joins the team, yeah. I think that's we're we're revving up to season three where it's going to be so crazy how good it is because Jamak is in every episode. Yeah, it's, because it's, like, Jamak had this redemption arc and he doesn't join the team. That's pretty. Hang uh, on, Dylan. Hang, hang on. The table. You think have it's coming now? It's it's all the humans versus like five humans and all the mutants together. So that's so now Jamak will be on yes, my side. Jamak and also Jamak's going to make sure they do the right play. That that yeah. too about no no Kipo yeah. slander. Oh the yeah. the the otters. Okay, uh, I was like the right playbook like uh, to beat no. To I let him, I meant literally the theaters. Literally the play. For uh, the record, the theaters are amazing. Oh yeah, but they're yeah. fun. They're fun. I, I, I would just like the uh, the deleted scene of Jamak returning for the final episode and pulling down his pants in front of the gold statue of the mod frogs that rejected him. I just want yes. right. We get oh we get God, the other mod frogs. Totally yeah, yeah. The fact, really when the mod touching. frogs get uh, what was touching? I was about to say something horrifying. So what oh, was no. touching? <laughs> okay, here's the thing. This is the thing. This is the really weird. Like. When Scarlet Mane's like, I did it for you. It's like, oh, that's so messed up. Yeah, so no, messed up. I was going to say, that's the most horrifying moment of the series when he golds the frogs. Right, like, right. oh my well, God. It's totally messed like, up. It's Thong's totally hand is now up. gold forever also. We can't forget that. Also, and then Scarlet Mane's like, yeah, can you gild your dad? Absolutely yeah. not. Like, oh my God. It was like, I like. here's the thing. Scarlet Mane's messed up. But the fact that he did it for Kipo... I mean, obviously, do not guild things, like, living things, but, like, like, oh, it was terrifying, yes. Yeah, like, that was just his yeah. gesture, and his, like, I love that that's, like, a part, like, again, like, it, it, it's gonna take more than a couple days of Kipo hanging out with him for his entire, like, gr- like, worldview to change, so for him to struggle with these things that he assumes are great gestures and Kipo is horrified by them makes perfect sense where he is right now in his progression. Yeah, I- it, it would, I think it'll work if he's a big part of season three. So we need to see this. We need yes. Okay. Or Jamak um, more Scarlet Man. Uh, I think Scarlet not can't be more Scarlet Man than this season. Of course. Well, not this like as much, Scarlet but just Man. more period. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll bond. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe. He was trying to, Jermock was trying to create. Okay, let's uh, keep going. This is podcast going super long. Uh, we, but we have more things to hit on, uh, including Troy and Benson. Uh, 90 minutes in, haven't talked about Troy and Benson. So, um, episode one, big episode four, Troy and Benson, and uh, they we get a kiss on Yay. the cheek. Yes. Get them looking at each other right <laughs> big moment and then uh the music we get throughout the season benson trying to we get benson with troy's dad trying to like uh, have a good impression oh, and so then well. troy's dad uh, approves so and good. then yeah. at the last episode yeah. troy yeah. saves benson um and yeah so also benson is like it? a disaster gay i know he's yes. like awkwardly talking while the lava's literally forming around yeah, them and i'm like so oh my god benson we so like the season as a follow up to the Troy and Benson in season one. This is so good. Yeah. How like obviously like I don't know like I was excited that you know one when Benson was like I'm gay that's awesome and then like he gets a love interest and then now we're actually doing like playing the long game flirting. I'm about it. The long game, yeah, but there's we- not that not that long of a game. There's only going to be a, so many episodes. Well, they already kissed. Well, at least they're ready. Yeah, they sprinkled it out already. It felt like more of a priority this season, and that's already really encouraging. They had several moments, and the stuff with um, Troy's dad was just so adorable. Like that's such a like. Oh, I really like your son. I really hope you like me. To, 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 to for you to just like you know give me the the dad okay to go for your son. In a nice way, but like that's essentially what was happening, and it was just so adorable and cute. Yeah, I re- really like that stuff. I love them in the first and last episode. I was craving more Troy in the season. You know, yes. we just wrote him off with uh, him and the twins. The twins, by the way, I don't know why they're there. And uh, the uh, we one of them is uh, Kiko's girlfriend. Okay, I don't know which. I one. said that. Did you? Did you copy that take from me? I said that yesterday. Oh, in the Discord. oh I did. Um, I absolutely copied that take. But like, okay, so that's but my it's take. Obviously, is that... the take. To have. It's that right? So, like, why are the twins there? They've done nothing. Is it just so that Troy isn't the only human we're focusing on? Is there, are they like background fodder for Troy? But no, what if one of them's Kipo? Give girlfriend? Kipo a girlfriend. That's all I ask. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd like Troy to be more part of the action in the last season. I think that's well, I think I much, think, much like Jamak, bring him back. Well, in I think we're capacity. working to this like, like, we're, we're going to have our crew versus all of the other humans. So. Yeah, he's, um, he's part of the crew. So, Alex, uh, I would just say I want more Benson in the season. Like, I think it's Keepo number one, yeah, Wolf so number ben- two, Dave number three, and then Benson kind of fits. Dave number fades. three. I'll get out of yeah, here. Yeah, Dave, 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 Dave has three. more stuff to do in this season than Benson does. Benson well, doesn't I get a lot. Like we haven't gotten any, like, we have deep background on all of our, I mean, except Dave, but no one cares about Dave. So, like, we need more background on Benson outside of Dave. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Outside of Dave and outside of Troy, because like Benson does good, d- d- has good stuff to do when it's Benson Troy stuff. But for most of like the middle season, like he's kind of just tagging along. Like also like that Benson and the Beast, like that's a, that's a decent episode for him where he has to accompany Kipo and like be uh, like help the anchor. But like Kipo uh, and Benson's relationship is adorable. Yeah, like that, that that's that's still there. But for a lot of episodes, Benson is kind of just like in the background. Not he's not just there. with Dave. And it's like, oh, I well, don't. He's, he's, there's, there's literally an episode where he's like, we, he's not on screen, and then he comes back. He's a cowboy hat. Yes. We don't know yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. I think for me, the high, other than the Troy stuff, I think the highlight with Benson is him, like Kipo, not wanting to hurt him, and then him being the anchor for, like, uh, him helping Kipo with the anchor and that. Yeah. I think all that stuff is really good with Benson. 
Um, but I agree there's a lot less than last season. That was more intro with the bats. That was kind of like the without Dave thing. I think yeah. Dave wasn't there, but um, Dave was a baby. Yeah, it's he, fine. He took a little bit of a backseat. I think Wolf did too. Yeah, uh, I really wanted more Wolf. Like I, I love the stuff with seeing where she was living and the karaoke moment was super nice. Episode four is the big Wolf. Yeah, episode. and like her singing the song to try to get Kipo to come back to them was really nice. But like I'm, I wanted more Wolf. Okay, I episode always four was the gayest episode without being gay. <laughs> okay, I have this. I have a question. Are we shipping uh, no. and Wolf or no? Okay. I don't know okay. what the age difference is. Okay, that's my yeah. thing. That's my thing. That's my that's my holdup. That's it. I'm done. Like that's okay. a pretty we big Ke- holdup. We know up, how though. we know Kipo's thirteen. Yeah, we don't know how old. Yeah, Wolf is, right? in show in show, and we know Benson's seven? older. Yeah, Benson's right, like sixteen, I think. Like. I don't know. Like the thing is, like Wolf, they could be similar in age because, like, when we see Wolf doing stuff, like she looks significantly younger. I, I yeah. interpret Wolf as younger, which is why I don't ultimately ship right. it. But their bond is one of the yeah. highlights. It's so good. I love them. Yeah, that's why I want to see more of it. Like, Wolf's episode last season was, like, the episode for me. The way the Scarlet Man episode was, like, the episode for me this season. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I did, like, I love Wolf's character. But it does sometimes bother me that she, like, she has to be the voice of reason so many times and she's the youngest of the group and that's just like again like seems like an unfair amount of pressure for her to constantly have that role so like to counter that i want to see her like being able to like loosen up more and to enjoy things in like a more open way and we we got a little bit of that but i just wish there was slightly more of it because like every other time she's just like doing her best to keep keep on everyone safe and like being the straight man which is like fine but i feel like she deserves more than that <laughs> you know uh wolf is apparently 10 according to uh just 10 okay so yeah, probably not shipping that, but uh, their their bond, yeah, they're just uh, the in episode four, they're really good. Good, I think that's a really good episode. And uh, then the wolves, you you mentioned Michelle Wolf singing to keep up in that this this relationship is ending up at like the heart of the show. It's so good. Yeah, that's why I wish there was a little more. It is like the heart of the show. Maybe one, season the one three. Thing with, well, come back yeah. focus i think with wolf for me the one thing is like last season episode nine we learned of her incredibly tragic backstory yes. yeah and we don't really follow up no. <laughs> uh, like let's check in on how yeah, let's check in on I guess she... <laughs> also we broke stalky like is she okay yeah that was half yeah. her identity she still has the wolf carcass on but it's like I love seeing the backstory of how, like, even as a very small child, she figured out the heart rate thing and she helped mm, keep up with that. But it's like, yeah, like, her staff is gone and that was a big part of, like, herself. So, like, I hope maybe that comes around, like, her finding a new weapon or something, maybe, for this new what chapter is- in her life. Yeah, she's really just Kelsey from Craig of the Creek. Like, the sword broke. Uh, we it's, also it's really hear like... Kelsey from the Bat Voice, and that was horrifying. I couldn't <laughs> Confusing when there's a Kelsey on the show, but it's not dark at that Kelsey. Yeah. Um, okay, well, the, the mutes, yeah. So, the theaters, we talked about them. I think the main theater thing in that song, song is really good in that episode. Uh, we talked about the Chevra sisters, the goats. They're weird. <laughs> they're um, weird and great. Yeah. The bats. I really like the bats. Not a lot of the bats, but I, I like that they're not in it like a... They're, like, threatening, but only if you, like, go against their weird ideology. Like, they're not, like, antagonistic inherently. They're, they're, they're in so the dumb. alien fandom. That's just, they're yeah, alien so nerds. Funny. Back up on the standing. Come on. Like, uh, this is what happens when you stand too hard. You know, well, yeah, one of them yeah. voiced by Noelle Wells, who plays yeah, Kelsey yeah. and Craig of the Creek. So, yeah, yeah, the crossover. Uh, fun Gus. 
We got fun, Gus. I got to say, uh, not crazy about the fun Gus stuff. I was time. afraid of fun Gus just because he was such a powerful child, and that's already, like, stressful. <laughs> you make fun Gus mad, he could eat you, I guess. Like, I don't know. And he- a, lot, a lot of good stuff in the two fun Gus episodes, but uh, the fun, fun but Gus fun himself. himself wasn't that fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was uh, fine until, he, wasn't that until fun. he broke free of Mulholland's control, and I was like, oh, God, we need to go yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. dangerous. Um, well, one thing I remember saying last uh, last season was like I wish that they did more with like the post apocalyptic sense, like they went a little more wild with the imagery. I think in season two, one of the things that gets closest to that is when when fungus loses control and you have like Keepa running away from like the the strings of, of fungus that he sh- that he's shooting at, at her. Like that's as close as we get to like at being creative with your with your setting. That's that's good, yeah. And I, I think visually they did a lot of interesting events. Yeah. The concept of fungus, I think, is good. Uh, cappuccino and whatever species. Cappuccino is amazing. She's a I, shrimp. I love she her. She's such an amazing Little Littler shrimp. shrimps with her. Is that the other shrimps? Yeah, they're all shrimp. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe they're so like they're me- me- mega shrimp. I love that. Okay. She's, she's a jumbo shrimp. Cappuccino is really good. I think yeah. she's a favorite to return. Um, although, and, and in general, the use of the old mutes, I think we very sporadically see everyone, sometimes prominently, like Mulholland, um, sometimes in the background, episode eight, we traverse a lot, like we're seeing a flashback, so we go through a lot of the previous settings we saw, mm-hmm. I think that's a good use of everyone, and then in the last episode, everyone's kind of there in the audience. What matters um, is that we got all the timber cats all the time, that's what matters. Timber cats, and then there's <laughs> yes! this explicit use of the umlaut snakes in one episode, right, so. I love seeing um, them have a moment. Seems like a priority to bring at least reference a lot of stuff from season one, bring a lot of people back. Not a lot with the Newton Wolves. They're in the they're the play characters, but um and they're the Bryn, they're kind of there in the background in episode eight. Uh it's, yeah, I think it's it's a different experience going from uh, like quickly hitting on a lot of these people than from season one spending a lot of time with all the I, I for me, I I think this season like uh, threaded the needle between um, like introducing new mutes, not doing them too much, focusing on the story, and then also bringing up characters from the past. I feel like all of that was pretty successful for me, but I think your mileage may vary. Have we, a lot of that. I agree. Have like, I, I appreciate checking in. I appreciated people growing and changing and seeing some new stuff because new stuff's nice. But I feel like it was nicer to have like that mix because it felt like we were really building on characters we had previously established, which is like an extra layer of excitement and enjoyment than just constantly introducing new characters who never come back, you know? Well, I like knowing my world. Yeah, it's part of knowing the world is like seeing. They, them they grow still and spend time on world building. I would, yeah, even through this yeah. plot every season. Alex, uh, speaking of new, I don't think we've we've mentioned cappuccinos uh, yet, and uh, she, she, we she's she's. Oh, we did. Okay, she, I, I like her. She yeah, talking shrimp. I I I need that. Yeah, she's the uh, tough, no nonsense character. I know. And she's a shrimp. It's great. Not a mute, but I also like loved Greta. She she was a big part of what softened um like the the new antagonist for me, just because Greta seems like the Scorpia vibe of this show. Okay, okay. It's just, like, you, can't, you can't say that because Greta is way dumber than Scorpia. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I Greta is so like, very dumb, but she's like very positive, and I like I just I don't know her that well yet, but like I I already love Greta so oh, much. Like, 
Like when when she was like, "No more pancakes, Greta," and Greta's like, "But there are more pancakes." I know, but there are more pancakes. <laughs> and there's that conversation about like they could eat the moon or something like that. The, this their their leader is the scientist lady. Has to be like, "No, the moon is not a star." But like, how did how did she get these? They, two haven't, they haven't absorbed anything. Yeah, <laughs> like what is the state of humanity where this is not common? There's not a lot of people left to pick from, Alex. Alex. <laughs> Oh god! It's it's trying to balance out uh, the care, the the harsh Doctor Amelia. I think is the purpose. But, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But Greta's and like the, amazing. No, but I'd yeah. like to see more specifics in the last season. Like once we're getting into Doctor Amelia, like this is a weird combination of pieces. So let's let's dive into that. Yeah. Um, okay. Like, uh, it, we talked about animation not jumping out as much. I, I mentioned the sword fighting scene is a potential one that stood out. I think there's episode three or the the cappuccino episode. I think there's a, the fight scene there is pretty dynamic too. Any other favorite uh, animation scenes that jump out? Kipo transformation, first time yeah. answer. You, you guys mentioned Kipo transformations. Yeah, too, yeah. And was... the, the animation with Kipo as the jaguar. Yeah, and just Kipo with your mom. I mean, like all that stuff just is very like tender and really well. And it's also like it's really. And they're very interesting shots because her mom is so large yeah. and people is so small. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, that that intro of the of the Deathstalker episode was pretty nifty. Like the way like you're introduced to like how Deathstalkers work, which is like detecting heart. Oh yeah, the heart. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was yeah the, the, and, the like, style. And, that. and then like it ends with like little wolf like like uh, ambushing this Deathstalker, and like it it happens off screen, but like you can hear the noise of of her of her stabbing the Deathstalker. So like I I I enjoyed that 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 intro was pretty well done too. Yeah, I agree. Um, music, uh, Heroes on Fire, big part of the season, episode it's four. It's a bop. Yeah, it is a bop. It's so catchy. They're right. It's a ballad. It's good. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's definitely supposed to be a ballad. And it's like, it integrates into the season very well. Like, they use it as a big component of the season. And then when Kipo's like, it's our song. I was like, y'all yes, know. It's team song. That's so cute. And then it like really does become like so good. their song. It's so good. Me and my fiance Down have been with- singing it. It's a bop. It's great. Down, down with humans is the place. Also a bop. Water. It's also a bop. And then uh, play it in my head is uh, Hugo's version of uh, the of the the dad and Kipo song from season one, right? And yeah. th- that's the youth. I was I that was stood out to me listening to soundtrack for the season. That use in the episode though, like man, uh, it's a powerful scene. Um, yeah, they they I noticed that uh, on Spotify they updated the season two playlist with right. a, a lot of the other non uh, like the the licensed songs too. So a lot of those are on there, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, the use it does the music it doesn't stand out as much, I guess, just because we were used to it. Uh, maybe it's it's uh, it seems as well done. I don't know if it's like not well done. Yeah, or not. I think it's subdued. It's just, it's just less. Yeah, it's just subdued. It's like again, it's like it's not the priority uh-huh. of the season to wow you with the music. So they give that attention to more of the things happening necessarily than what you're hearing. Like it's there to amplify the things you're watching than to be the thing that you notice the most out of everything else. I feel. I, yeah, I think probably I'd agree with that. Yeah. Probably. Um, just, agree. All right. <laughs> it's, it's just, no, I, I mean, I think it's good. It's, it's just hard to tell. I think expect like we're talking about expectations. Yeah. Expectations versus, uh, changed yeah. also. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I mean, I still definitely like the most notable. I think use of music on in in modern animation still even with this season. Um, any any other comments on the music? 
I still like the Scarlet Waltz, like his yeah. like yeah, evil person so theme. Like that's that's still the best piece of <laughs> of music in this season, even though it's from season one. They use I, a lot. Uh, King King Hugo is from episode eight. That's an instrumental one. I really like from that episode. Yeah, Michelle. Oh, well, this was tangentially related to Scarlet Man. I was gonna say like. <laughs> I just I find it very interesting that Scarlamine's whole like aesthetic and music is so tied to like European like old school like kingness and that, like I don't know like I feel like the show is saying something about just like you know like Scarlamine is like kind of like exhibiting a lot of like colonialist vibes you know for lack of a more thoughtful way of say that and just the fact that like the new villain is also just like this blonde haired blue eyed lady like that can't be accidental and those two things together just like I don't know it 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 kind of flavors some of this and I think that's very interesting and very well placed frankly but I'll just like I'll never get over that aspect of Scott I mean I feel like part of his menace is that like he has this British accent and he has this very colonial kind of like idea of like control and like the history that comes with that, you know, it's just very interesting. Yeah. That's interesting thought. Um, yeah. We're too late in to yeah, dive into that, but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> are those your final thoughts, Michelle? Oh no, no, my final thoughts are, I hope there's more Jamak <laughs> and this was an amazing season and I was so impressed with so much on display and I'm like, so incredibly excited for season three like i i'm still like the heartbreak of losing so many great shows in the same like four months like it's so I'm, hard yeah. it is so much better to know that there's a show like this that's still like airing that i can latch onto now because like it's super worth it yeah for now unfortunately for now? <laughs> too before long um alex final thoughts uh uh, you were fit. You, I noticed you were fading. It has it's a long been podcast. Two hours, Alex. It's a it's long okay. podcast. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I wish I was as excited as you guys. I'm, I'm kind of just like, yeah, well, I, I got nothing. That's valid, Sorry. Too. That's valid too. Okay, that's okay. Everyone, all reactions equally valid to Kipo. Uh, Delaney, what, what are your final thoughts? I just love Kipo a lot, and really like a lot of what Michelle said. Like, it's nice to have this now that. All of our other shows are over, <laughs> but I'm also worried that like we're gonna get season three before the end of the year, and I'm gonna be like, "What the heck am I supposed to do?" Like, I'm just gonna have to survive on the scraps of Lumity I'm getting from the Owl yeah, House. Right. Like, <laughs> but I, I do, I really love Kipo. It's so good, and this show means a lot to me. And I'm really like, I'm just really appreciative of, of it. Like, there are a lot of shows that we've covered that have a, a lot of meaningful messages, but I think Kipo's might be one of the most meaningful with the relationship between humans and animals. And I'm just, I'm just really enjoying it. It's a great show. Nice. Yeah. I love that point. Oh, I I have a final thought. Uh, 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 Kipo found a karaoke machine and that reminded me of the time I did karaoke with you people. And it was nice. And I miss that. And uh, that was uh, a big emotional connection for me. So, like, even though Heroes on Fire to say in this show, which is like full fantasy, like, there's nothing in the world that I could connect to. That was one I was like, yeah, that's like real life. I miss that. 
Aww. We'll sing Heroes on Fire next. That's the karaoke, <laughs> karaoke version on the soundtrack, Dale. Dylan, can I, can I have a it. second final thought that I just yes. thought of? Yes. I, I, this is a very me thing, but when Yum Yum was like, oh yeah, like we'll, like we'll help you out. Like, like I saw you turn into that jaguar and like cat recognizes cat essentially. <laughs> I was like, yes! Yes! Yeah. It, it was just very good. Wait, Michelle, can you say the word jaguar? Jaguar? Yeah, okay. You say it like that, okay. <laughs> well, how many people say it? Okay, Jag- I it's, didn't know it's, it's, it's spelled U-A-R at the, and not W-I-R-E. So just ja- jaguar. People say, it, people say it different ways. Scarlet may always say it like jaguar, which I was like, why? No, j- jaguar. Yeah, you, yeah, well, the correct pronunciation is the Well, this, yeah, the thing is R, not I-R. Is the, so, like, how do you say jaguar? Jaguar. Jaguar. That's no, that's kind of. I don't think I'm going along. Let's say again. <laughs> I'm just saying this is a common thing in, in football discussion because of the Jaguars oh, in Jacksonville. So I, I, I'm very that. sensitive to this. Di- dialectal variation is valid. Let's Google for which states <laughs> say which states. <laughs> yeah, right. maybe this is just like a particular section of the country. I don't know. <laughs> that's 10 tenths of how it works. Um, Okay, I was going to comment on Michelle saying it's a Michelle thing, but now too uh, we've moved past that. But I was like, I get, I think I say that too much if Michelle's saying Michelle. Okay, I apologize then if, if that's rubbed off. Uh, the okay, I have no thought. Okay, this is very long. We have a lot to say about Kipo. Let us know what you thought about Kipo in the comments overlyanimated.com on youtube.com slash overlyanimated and uh, subscribe to our Kipo feed to not miss any future. Kipo podcast discuss with us on our discord at overlyanimated.com slash discord Kipo channel a lot of thoughts in there and consider supporting us via patreon patreon.com slash overlyanimated thanks to our current patrons especially our patron of the podcast cat sass there's a cat and thanks as well to our patron executive producers ryan steedox beatrice hugh michael needle and phonician is that michelle's alt account um i don't know we'll never know uh the cat sass yeah. uh that's it thanks <laughs> thanks for listening guys we'll see you next time bye bye bye, bye.